0: If you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to uh, Galatians chapter five. Those of you guys who have been around uh, for a while, you know that we're making our way through Galatians, and we're in the home stretch here, uh, going through Galatians. We got one more chapter. We're going to finish out chapter five today, uh, beginning in verse sixteen. Last time we were in Galatians, uh, if you were able to tune in to our live stream, or if you joined us up in uh, up at Three Rivers a couple weeks back, uh, we we talked about freedom and how the idea of uh, freedom as Americans, as great as that is, uh, at some point begins to diverge from uh, a biblical idea of freedom. And and just by way of reminder, Paul is uh, has come to the re- written this letter to the the churches in the region of Galatia because. People had come in behind him after he had established churches, after he had uh, built a foundation of the gospel. Uh, people had come in behind him and said, yeah, what Paul said, but also this. And they oh, added wow. to the gospel and essentially were, were telling the Galatians that, that you had to do something for Christ in order to be saved. And what they effectively did is made the gospel not about what Christ has done, but about what you and I must do. And, and as we think about, uh, like we talk about the gospel a lot, and we, we throw out the word gospel a lot, and, and I hope that, that, that we all have an understanding what the gospel is. But but what isn't the gospel is saying that, that you must do something to earn favor with God, that what Christ has done for you is not enough. And so any kind of message that would say something along those lines, Paul would say is not the gospel. Matter of fact, at one point in the beginning of this letter, he calls the Galatians foolish for buying into such an ideology. So as he makes his way through this letter, he's, he's building again a foundation of what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. And so last time, like I said, we we talked about freedom and and how freedom in Christ is not necessarily the same thing as freedom because of where we're born or the freedoms that we enjoy because of where we live. As great as those things are and as much as we appreciate and love and enjoy those things, it's not the same thing uh, as freedom that Christ has given us. And the freedom that Christ has given us is a freedom that says that we can live for him, that we can live the way that he calls us to live, that we can live an outward-facing life. Not an inward-facing life, not a life that says I'm going to build my own kingdom, not a life that says I'm going to do for me, not a life that's selfish, but that we're free to live a life facing outward that says that we can do for others because of what Christ has done for us. That That's the freedom that comes with belief in the gospel. And so that's where we left off. And then Paul, today, he's going to give us a little bit of an idea of what it looks like to walk in that kind of freedom. And he's going to contrast the deeds of the flesh versus the deeds of the spirit. And so let's go ahead and get into our passage, Galatians chapter 5. Let's read verses 16 to 18. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you were led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And so, Paul starts off by saying, Walk by the spirit. And what is it that he means when he says, Walk by the spirit? We're going to unpack that. As we go, but in the original language, this idea of walking means to walk around after someone or to walk in a particular direction. But what Paul isn't saying, and we'll get into in a moment what the deeds of the flesh are and what the works of the spirit are. And what Paul is not saying is like, don't do the bad things and do the good things. He's not necessarily saying that. This idea of walking by the spirit is to walk after someone or to walk in a particular direction. So in other words, he's saying, follow Christ walk in the direction of Christ, walk around after Christ. And he says if you do that, that you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh because, he says, they're opposed to one another. The spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. The things that your flesh desires, the things that you desire, that you come by naturally as a human being, are in opposition to the things that the Spirit in you desires as a follower of Christ. And so what we can take from that is like there, there's this tug of war, and maybe maybe you already know this, maybe I'm not telling any, you anything that you don't already know, that there's this tug of war inside of you. You have your flesh, your humanity, your being vying for gratification. If I asked you to raise your hand if you want to be gratified in some way, every hand would go up because we would be silly not to want to be gratified, right? We spend our whole lives chasing after things that gratify us. We find gratification um, in relationships. We find gratification in uh, what we do for a living. We find gratification in where we live. We find gratification in what we drive. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad things at all. Don't, Don't hear me say that. We find gratification in just the appetites of our flesh, what kind of activities we engage in. And Paul's going to give us a list here in a moment, so we'll come back to that. But what he's saying right now is that there's this tug of war inside of you as a Christian, that the Spirit is pulling you in a direction and your flesh is pulling you in the opposite direction. And he's giving us the encouragement here to follow Christ so that we don't follow our flesh. Because the flesh keeps us as Christians from doing the things that we want to do. you Remember the part in Romans chapter 7 where Paul talks about, uh, it's a little bit of a confusing passage, and he says, like, I, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I really want to do. Right? How many of us can relate to that? We can all relate to that in some way or another. So we should know that there's a tension here between the spirit in us and our flesh, or our humanity, our being. One commentator says this. It says that we should notice the tension between God's divine power and the believer's human choice. My iPad's getting hot and my notes just disappeared on me. Right in the middle of a quote, and it was a good one. I'll tell you that. All right, no notes. Last week, the power went out. This week, the iPad goes out. (laughs) But but there's a tension that we're we're told between uh, not only the spirit and the flesh, but but God's power and human responsibility or human choice in this. And Paul encourages us to follow Christ, walk around after Christ, follow the direction of Christ. Christ, Because any other direction apart from following Christ is only going to lead us further into our sin. And the Bible tells us that our sin ultimately leads us to death. Now, when the Bible talks about, like, when you think about death, Rick and I were talking about death a little bit earlier before church. When you think about death, you think about, like, somebody's heart stops beating. Right? I was... Uh, several years ago was in the room with a relative when they pulled the plug and he died right away. Right? That's, that's what we think of when we think about death. When the Bible talks about death it talks about more than our heart ceasing to beat. When the Bible talks about death it talks about eternity in hell. When the Bible talks about life, it's eternity in heaven. When it's death, it's eternity in hell. And so there are far more serious things at stake than our, our organ ceasing to function. And when we're not following after Christ, when we're not walking after Christ, our sin leads us in the direction of death. It leads us in a trajectory that is not life. It leads us in a trajectory that's not heavenward. Paul goes on in in verse 18 to say that if you're led by the Spirit, that you're not under the law. That's a confusing statement just taken at face value. What do, you, what do you think he means by that when he says that if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law? I think what Paul means is that there, because we're humans, we have to have a law that says don't murder. You would think that would be intuitive to us, that we should just know that that's not good. And the Bible would probably argue there's, a, there's an extent to which we do know that that's not good. But because of our sin nature, we have to have a law that says, don't do this. And if you do this, then here are the consequences for this. Because of our sin nature, we have to have laws in the books that say, for example, don't steal. Again, you would think that that would just be something that we should know is not good. But we have to have a law that says, if you steal, here are the consequences for your stealing. There is no law, however against the works of the Spirit. And we'll get into that list in a moment too. Paul's going to give us a list as to what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. But we don't have to have a law that says to love people. And we don't have to have any kind of punishment for if we don't love people. There's no law against things like that. Paul goes on in verse 19 and he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. How many of you right now are feeling pretty good that you're not checking anything off of this list? Hold on just a second. He goes on to say fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now again, what Paul isn't saying here is like stay away from the bad things and and, and do the good things. That's not the message of today. However, he is telling us that the sin that exists in our flesh, the sin that we're born with as humans, we're, we're born corrupted if you don't know that. The Bible tells us that because Adam and Eve are first parents the first human beings that were ever created because they rebelled against God every human that came after them inherited this rebellious sinful nature just like you you inherit your looks from your parents or you inherit your personality or or quirky things about you that, that you've probably inherited from your parents your grandparents we we have inherited a sin nature from the first humans ever created. And I don't think Paul is trying to make an exhaustive list here about all of the things that, that would be exclusive of our sin nature. Because he ends the list by saying things like these, and so he's leaving it open to like there there's more than just this list that he's given us. But he tells us that, that if, if we walk around after our sin, if we walk in a trajectory that, that bends the knee, that bows our will to our own fleshly desires, there's a direction that's going to take us. And this is the list that he gives us of what that could look like. And what it looks like is that, that we give in to these insatiable appetites. That are inside of us. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but you have an insatiable appetite to be gratified in you, just like I do. Now, maybe the things that gratify me are different than the things that gratify you, but, but we, we share common as humans an insatiable appetite to be gratified. And I'm just going to guess that, that you, like me, will stop at nothing sometimes to gratify what's inside of me. Sometimes the thing that gratifies me in a moment might might be a good ribeye, medium rare, a slab of butter on top. Other times what might gratify me is maybe to demean you because you've offended me. Other times what might gratify me is to entertain thoughts in my mind that, that I really know that I shouldn't entertain, but I do anyway. Other times what what might gratify me is just to, to blow my lid every once in a while. Because of our sin nature that we inherited from the first humans ever created. Apart from the intervention of Jesus Christ, our sin nature leads us down a road that just gets darker and darker the farther that we go down it. Now you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, probably like I would if, if I were out there and somebody else were up here thinking, like I'm not not that bad of a person. I might be able to look around and say well, I'm better than that guy. <laughs> I might be able to think of things. Well, somebody I know did this, and I, like I would never, I would never do that, right? Like I could start to feel pretty good about myself, pretty pretty quickly as I start to think about other things that people do. And say, But what Paul is saying here is that there's a trajectory that, that our life is on when our flesh, when our humanity is left unchecked by God's intervention. And it takes us down a road that can include things like this list that he just mentioned. It can include sexual immorality. It can include impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these, in other words, and more. Something I was thinking about this week is that like if we just take this list, like I could go down this list and think like I'm I'm there's not a whole lot of things I'm checking off on this list as far as things I've participated in my life, or at least so I think. But but it's important that we understand that the sin that exists inside of every one of us is the same sin that exists and maybe the person that you're thinking of right now and you would think I would never be like that person right? we can look at people that sin in different ways than we do and we can get offended by people who sin differently than we do I can get offended by the by the person that steals because I've never stolen anything in my life but I can be patient with the person that gets angry now and then, because you know what? happens to me too. But the same sin that exists inside of the person that does the thing that you say that you will never do, that's the same sin that exists inside of you. And their need is the same as your need. We, We need our sin to be checked by Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in verse... So he gives us this list of here here are the deeds of the flesh. But in verse 22 he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The deeds of the flesh are many. Matter of fact, Paul, Paul doesn't write an exhaustive list. He, he lists a bunch of things, and then he says, "and things like it." In other words, there's a whole bunch more. But the fruit of the spirit—notice that he says "fruit" singular, not "fruits" of the spirit as plural—but fruit singular—and then he gives us this list of, of nine things. <laughs> and the idea behind this singular fruit: think of think of a chain with nine links in it that are connected. So, so nine individual links in a chain, but together they make up one chain. That, that's the idea here behind Paul saying fruit singular of the Spirit. And in these nine things, we can look at kind of three different groupings of three, if you will. So he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. That, that's one grouping of three. And think of love, joy, and peace, kind of me, me to God, you and me to God. We, we love God. Uh, because we love God, we find our joy in him. And because we love God, we find our peace in him. The next group of three, patience, kindness, and goodness. Think about that more on a horizontal level, that we're, we're patient with each other that we're kind to one another, that we're good to one another. And then the last three, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Think about, like, inside of me, inside of you. I don't know if this was intentional on Paul's part to kind of group these three different groups of three like he did, but but they're a fruit, a fruit of the Spirit that works out our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and our own internal kind of relationship with ourself, if you will. And against these things, he says that there is no law. We, we don't have to have laws that say that you should be kind. We don't have to have laws that say that you should be good, that you should be gentle. And we don't have to have prescribed punishments if those things don't happen our flesh naturally doesn't lead us to be these things our flesh leads us to be those things in so far as they benefit us maybe for a selfish reason right? I'll love you as long as it benefits me to do so for example and as long as it benefits me I'll continue but the moment it ceases to benefit me to love you then I'm not going to love you anymore that's how, that's how our flesh operates. I'll be kind to you insofar as it benefits me. When it doesn't benefit me anymore, I, I don't need to bother being kind to you. I'll be patient with you as long as it benefits me, but when it doesn't benefit me anymore, my patience goes out the window, right? This singular fruit of the Spirit, these nine links of one chain, They only work themselves out in our lives in a God-glorifying sort of way only in a supernatural manner. We don't come by these things in a way that glorifies God naturally. Think back to Adam and Eve, right, Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of history as we know it. God creates the heavens, he creates the earth, the tongues, the fish, the birds, the stars, the sun, the moon, the land, the sea, all of it. How, how long did it take before Adam and Eve rebelled against God? Chapter 3. I don't know how much actual time went by, but three chapters into history as we know it, right? Humanity rebelled against its creator. And then four chapters into it, one brother kills his other his brother, right? It didn't take long for, for us to slide in a trajectory um, that was not good.
1: Now, if we were to just
0: stop there, we're not going to stop here, but if we were to just stop there, what Paul would be saying is there's this giant tug of war happening inside of you. Right? If you're here today and you're a Christian, if you're, if you're not a Christian, you don't have this tug of war, but if you're a Christian, You have this tug of war with your fleshly desires and your desire for your flesh to be satisfied pulling you in a direction. And and you have the Spirit of God in you pulling you in another direction, vying for a completely different kind of satisfaction. And we're left here to try to figure out this tug of war. And and maybe maybe some days we feel like we have some success in the tug of war. But, But if you're like me, again, probably most days you feel like, I didn't do very well with the tug of war today. I got pulled more this way today. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't leave us with, like, good luck, let me know how it goes. He doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 24 to say that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. So now we start to see a little bit of good news here. In this tug of war in this in this battle between the vying for satisfaction between the spirit and the flesh if Paul were standing up here he would say that if you're here today and you would profess faith in Christ if you're a Christian this is where the news starts to get good that Christ has done for you what you could and would never do for yourself Christ has made a way for you to not walk in the flesh to not walk around after the flesh to not chase after the the desires of the flesh but he's made a way for you to walk by the spirit to walk around after the spirit to follow him when you wouldn't naturally come to that on your own that's good news that's very very good news He goes on to say that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And so as we think back to a couple of weeks ago when we talked about freedom in Galatians chapter 5 in the first half of the chapter. The freedom of the Christian life is that we're free to live a life that, that doesn't face inward. We're free to live a life that doesn't try to satisfy an insatiable appetite that will never be satisfied. That's the thing with your humanity, with your flesh, is that that appetite is never going to be satisfied. I think it was Rockefeller one day that somebody asked him, do you want to buy up all of the real estate in the world? And he said something to the effect of, no, only that which touches mine. So in other words, like just a little bit more and 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 a little bit more. An insatiable appetite. that that That's our flesh. An insatiable appetite. And, and we spend our whole lives trying to figure out how to satisfy that appetite. Right? How, how, how much money in your retirement account is enough? Just a little bit more. How many promotions are enough? Maybe just another one. How big of a house is big enough? Maybe just a little bit bigger, right? And again, I'm not saying that the things that God gives us in this world to enjoy are bad things in and of themselves. But understand that we have an appetite raging in our flesh that is never going to be satisfied. And what the Apostle Paul would say is that that's no kind of freedom. That's no kind of freedom because really you're in bondage to your flesh when you live in this way. But when we walk by the Spirit, when we spend our lives following Christ, when we walk around after Him, when we bring satisfaction to the Spirit in us, that's an appetite that can be satisfied. It's not necessarily an insatiable appetite that's never going to go away we satisfy the spirit in us when we follow after christ and so so the tug of war gets a whole lot easier at that point not saying that it's ever easy and smooth sailing but it, but it gets easier at that point point. and so that's why paul says that if we live by the spirit if you're sitting here today professing faith in christ live by the spirit you say that you live by the spirit then keep in step with the Spirit. If you say that you're a follower of Christ, then actually follow Christ. If you say that you're a follower of Christ, believe the truth of the gospel. And how do you know that you believe the truth of the gospel? Because you live the truth of the gospel. You say that you believe the gospel, but you don't live the truth of the gospel, then at the end of the day, you don't believe it. That's true for me too. And I'll be the first to say that there there are some days, maybe some moments, where I cease to believe the gospel. You might find that hard, hard to believe of one of your pastors, but it's true. And so if it's true for me, I know it's true for you. That's also why Paul reminds us to keep in step with the spirit that we would spend our whole lives chasing after Christ. That we would spend our lives following him. Anybody watch the, the show Seinfeld? Any Seinfeld buffs out there? I love I love Seinfeld. There's an episode of Seinfeld where uh, George Costanza, his character. If you're not familiar with the show, George is he calls himself a quirky bald guy. Not 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 the most attractive guy that ever lived. Not the sharpest guy that ever lived. Just a lot of quirks. And he spends a lot of his time like trying to get girls. That's what his life is about. And there's this episode where where he realizes this isn't working for me. in in, in my quest to just get a date like it's not working and so he decides one time they're sitting at a restaurant and he he decides one day that um i'm just going to do what comes completely opposite do the complete counterintuitive thing and see if it works and he ends up walking up to this girl sitting at the counter and he says my name's george i'm 35 years old i live with my parents will you have dinner with me (laughs) and the and the the girl says yeah like it worked (laughs) That might be a silly analogy, but following Christ comes counterintuitive to our flesh. My flesh says I'm going to do what's best for me. My flesh says that I'm going to I'm going to build up me, and if that means I have to step on you to build me up, then okay. No. 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 Following Christ, you guys comes. Completely counterintuitive to us. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that nobody, nobody comes after God. Nobody chases after God. That's why he had to send his one and only son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Because we intuitively go the other direction, and so he had to come after us. It's bad news that we go the opposite way, but it's good news that he came after us. And what Paul is saying here is because that's true follow after him follow after the one that came after you follow after the one that rescued you from your own insatiable appetite follow the one that did for you what you could and would never do for yourself and then he ends this chapter by saying let us not become conceited provoking one another and envying one another and I think the reason that he ended with that is because If you do anything else except follow after the one who came after you, it puts you on a trajectory, again, that makes you conceited, that causes you to to provoke one another, that causes you to envy, that causes you to slide further into your sin. And it blinds you further to what he's done for you. And so if I can leave you with any encouragement today, It would be that if you say that you believe the gospel, to live as if the gospel were true. The way that you live as if the gospel were true is that you follow after Christ. And as you follow after Christ, this nine-link chain of the fruit of the Spirit will become more and more evident in your life. We don't want to read this passage again, like I said in the beginning, and say, here's the bad list and here's the good list. I'm going to try really hard to not do the bad things. I'm going to try really hard to do the good things. You're going to fail at both of them, I'll just tell you right now, if you don't know that already. And you're going to fail at both of those over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And I know that because it's true for you, because it's true for me. So what we do is that we believe the gospel, and again, we live as if the gospel were true. And as we live like the gospel were true, those things kind of just work themselves out in our lives without us paying a whole lot of attention hope that makes sense. So again, my encouragement to you today is to believe the gospel and to live as if the gospel were true. We pray. Father, we're thankful for today. We're thankful that you love us. We're thankful that you're kind to us and that you're good to us. We're thankful that you have done things for us that we could and would never do for ourselves. We're thankful that you have made a way to Redeem us from the sinfulness that lies within us. We're thankful that you love us oftentimes in spite of us. That You love us when we don't reciprocate back to you. That you're good to us when we're not good to you. You're kind to us when we're not kind to you. God, may that truth not be lost on us today. And I would... Pray for all of us here today, myself included, that you would help us to be people that walk around after you. That you would help us to be people that follow you. And is that as we follow you, that you would help us to be beacons of light and beacons of hope as carriers of gospel truth here in our community. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.